Welcome back to part two of the Chris Kremers and Lisanne Froon case in Panama. Thanks for listening to the first episode. I told you that we'd have more like listens to that than anything because more people know that case than I think any case I've done so far or probably will do ever. Lorena's back. Say hey. Hi. I just want to say before we start, we did try after the episode ended like yesterday. It may sound like we just gave up. We tried for like half an hour to be connected and I hotspotted Lorena. Like we both restarted our Wi-Fi. We were just having like issues. I don't know if it was you or me. I think it was mine, but just before we start, I will say that, um, after we finished, I went and listened to the episode and I've never been on a podcast. I've never heard myself speak over a prolonged period of time. And I came <laughs> to learn a few things about myself. Um, one is that I say the word like way too much. So do I. So do I. Um, and the word um, I've come to notice as well. The second thing that I noticed was that my accent is actually way more thicker than yours. And I don't know if it's because I've been in the country, but at one, but at one point my accent got so thick and it's like the equivalent of like, say like a, an American, like Southern drawl. Yeah. That it sounded like at one point that I was going to whip out my banjo and, and like start playing. Move to the outback, or like, play didgeridoo. Yeah. <laughs> or just like reenacting the scene from Deliverance, but the Australian version. <laughs> um, um, I've I, well, I've never. Everyone's always said I've never had like a really strong Aussie accent, but like it, when I got back from living in England, it had almost completely gone away. Like, there, but then you realise just how strong Australians sound like when you come back from somewhere. Um, I'm not a fan of the Australian accent on women. In general, I think on men it's hot. People think. I think Chris Hemsworth and that, like it, it, like he'd be weird if he had an American accent. I mean, they put it on for movies. I know. I don't. I don't like <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. Do in Tropic Thunder. But I actually saw that recently again after years, and it's one of the best movies. It's so good. I know. It's but it's been cancelled. Like he was saying on Rogan recently, they wouldn't be able to do it these days. But because no way. Of, people were more upset about Ben Stiller's character in that than Robert Downey <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Great. So, so thank you for addressing the way that you speak, Lorena. <laughs> it sounds like a, you sounded like you're in a confessional booth. I just want to <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's just something that I noticed because next like next to you, you sound a lot more classy and British, and I just sound like the bogan that's <laughs> come from the outback. <laughs> Maybe Putting in next two cents. Well, you're my third like guest on oh, no, a fourth guest. We've had Mark, who he doesn't sound fully Aussie. I had Desiree's mum, Andy, who's from New York, and I had Sean Ryan's uncle, um, who is a proper pommy. So maybe I'm just having people on um, for their accents to mix it up a little bit, but so where we left off yesterday, they had found the backpack with the cameras, the phones, and we went through the different kind of activity on the phones that lasted quite a number of days. And we also talked about the cameras and how a number of photos had been deleted. Only a few have been released to the public, the photos, um, which I'll get into, and how it seemed to have been deleted from a computer, like you had to have plugged it in from a computer. So this is where we're gonna get into when I, I guess parts of the girls were discovered. So not long after the backpack um, was discovered, Chris, so I just want to, before I get into this, so you fell through the same thing yesterday when I was listening back that I did for like six years of this case. You kept referring to Chris as the tall one. Yeah, I realised that afterwards. So, so Chris is, like, I can't get it right. Like, I only just have. So Chris is the redhead one, um, the shorter one. So you are Chris. Okay. The shorter one. And I am Lisanne, the All right. extremely tall one. So yeah, we did refer to her as the tall redhead. Yeah, you started and, saying that yeah. and I was like, 
yeah. So, um, so Chris's denim shorts that she was wearing in the photos that you see um, were found not long after the camera and the backpack and all that. They were found on a rock on probably a few kilometres away from where her backpack was found. But a few kilometres in this area is a 14-hour walk. Um, now, some people say that they were zipped up and they were neatly folded sitting on this rock. But other people say that they were not neatly folded, but they were actually floating in the river. I'm more inclined to think that they were floating in the river. Like, this is the problem with this story. Too many people have got involved in it and added their two cents and it's really, like, muddied it. Um, on June 19th, 2015, so over a year after the girls went missing, part of a pelvic bone that belonged to Chris and was discovered, as well as one of Lisanne's boots. Now, in the boot was Lisanne's foot. Um, it was completely intact inside this kind of hiking boot that she was wearing, and it had multiple fractures of the metatarsals, so like the little um, bones that kind of join up your ankle. And DNA tests were performed on both and they were able to say the pelvic bone part, which you can see photos of, um, was Chris's and the boot with the foot in it was Lisanne's. The boot, the laces were tightly laced um, and there was still the sock inside the boot and the foot inside the sock. Um, and there was still some skin and flesh on the foot. And that was found further upstream from the rest of the things that were found. So forensic analysts looked at this foot and they found that basically the ankle bone had been, it was a very like clean snap off or a very clean like cut. It didn't look like it had been hacked off or, um, you know, cut off or gnawed off by animals. Um, so like, I don't think there's too much about, like, I don't think too much into this because have you ever heard of, like, how feet wash up all the time on beaches and things? Yeah, so I was just going to mention that because yeah. I was actually watching that today. It's in, um, is it Canada or somewhere that the Salish, all these feet? Yeah, the Canada. Um, the, there's a podcast that did it called Thinking Sideways um, that I was thinking about, yeah. And they, and they just, it, the feet keep washing up, yeah. And it's, like, seven and they're all just, like, just the feet with the shoes because your ankle is very it's it doesn't have like the kind of density and strength that like your hip or something has like your your ankle your foot is more likely to snap off your ankle during decomposition like all the little bones that make it up will kind of wear away along with the flesh but I kind of think which I'll get into later like in theories I think that um I think the flesh being on it and stuff after all that time, I don't think that's weird because it was completely like protected from the elements. Like, you know how they find bodies and they're yeah. like mummified. Do you think that, do you think it's weird? No, nah, I think the, the shoe and the sock would definitely have preserved it. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's quite a common thing. So around the world, you see that that does happen. There's just a foot that will wash up if there's been a, an accident out at sea or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I agree. I think the bones in the foot, like if you were to snap your ankle, like the foot's going to come off if the skin around it is sort of deteriorated. Exactly. Yeah. And I reckon the foot's just going to come, come off. I don't think it's t t anything to be suspect over. No, neither. Um, and also at least 33 scattered bones were found kind of in this same area. And they were mostly from a left leg. Um, so a lot of people who have looked into this think that those nighttime photos that we talked about um, with, you know, the stick with the um, red, like kind of wrappers tied to it, which I've got a theory on like, and I'm glad we're doing this like the day after because it made me think about it a bit more. Um, they reckon that they've, some people who think they know where that area where the photos were taken, this is a few kilometres away from that area where all of these kind of little bones, scattered bones were found. Um, DNA testing confirmed that they were kind of a mix of Lisanne's and Chris's bones. Um, they could have been like, you know, from the ankle or, you know, your fingers, any kinds of little bone fragments. Um, 
Now, Lisanne's bones, and we're assuming that Lisanne lived longer than Chris, she, her bones still had some skin attached to them, but a lot of people talk a lot about how Chris's bones were found. They looked like they'd been bleached, um, which is a big thing that they discuss in it. And look, I'm not an expert. What's a bone expert? Oh, author. what's that show, Bones? Author. What was she? What was she? Uh, an author. It'd be author something. I don't know. I assume. Bones. Well, you go straight for the show with the name. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like as <laughs> orthopedic surgeon is bone, bone surgeon. Yeah. So it'd be ortho something, I'm, I'm assuming. But I have heard that theory before and um, like uh, the... I guess the rumors around what that could possibly be and how it's linked to the cartel, but I haven't really looked too much into it. Yeah. I don't really buy into it. Um, I've heard like a lot about it, about what they do with the bones. I like, I'm, I'm not just digging my head in the sand, but I think that they were just, Chris was dead longer and her bones were probably exposed to the elements for longer. Um, I think that's probably like the most reasonable excuse for that. Um, so a Panamanian forensic anthropologist looked at these bones and said, quote, there are no discernible scratches of any kind on the bones, neither of, neither of natural nor cultural origin. There are no marks on the bones at all, unquote. Um, which is weird if they're kind of like being knocking up against things that there's no. Sorry, okay. how long did you say after they, the last known um, sighting of them until they were found. What? How long of a period was that? Until the bones were found. Yeah. Well, the bones of bones started being found in June two thousand and fifteen. They went missing in April two thousand and fourteen. See, uh, even then, I don't think that's enough time, is it, for a for a body to have fully been? Um, well, it depends on the decomposed. it depends on the like climate and everything like that. The conditions around it. Some people can be mummified for like. 20 years I watched a thing recently a chick like was found dead in an attic and she was completely mummified like she hadn't decomposed because the attic kind of was sealed off from the outside air yeah I don't know but um later on after that they also found Chris's number 10 right rib bone um as well as Lisanne's femur like part of her femur which is you know um the upper leg part which is a really strong part like it's one of the toughest bones in your body i think um and they found what they thought could have been her tibia bone as well now this is kind of gross um and i don't know i just wonder because it was like a year and a half after but at the end of august Oh, sorry. This is August 2014. Sorry. It was only a few months after they went missing. So we're going back in time a bit. They found a rolled up ball of skin from Lisanne's shin. This was before they found the bones and stuff. I don't know how they were able to say that it was from a shin. They like skin. I don't know how to explain this, but like skin comes away from bone in decomposition, right? And skin's pretty thick. Yeah, it's the biggest organ in the body. Yeah, and there's so many layers of it and stuff. I just, I don't know. I find it interesting that they knew it was from her shin. That's all. But what do they mean by a ball? Like that's all a it says. Clump of skin. Yeah, a rolled up ball of skin. Yeah, like it had been stripped off, like come from her shin, and it with the elements had kind of bundled itself together. Like imagine picking that up. I guess, or animals, like certain animals roll things up into balls so that's probably and, not and this is also Lisanne who we believe lasted the longest so May June July this is four and a half almost yeah four and a half months after they went missing um I have a like weird feeling that Lisanne lasted like weeks alone um, yeah it's probably likely it's just how can I know that it's so dense but I just don't know how you can, like, if you're walking for weeks, surely there would, you'd come to a point where you would Hear find somebody or something. Yeah. But yeah, I guess that's where all the conspiracies come in that maybe they, you know, stumbled across something that they weren't supposed to. But well, there's, there's tribes in this area. I just can't believe that they didn't stumble across someone 
who lives out this way. Um, like even when those guys, the Paraguayan football team who I want to cover, like on an episode at some stage that, you know, the movie Alive, um, they walked yep. from that crash site over the Andes Mountains for 11 days and found people. <laughs> like mm. and that's a larger area than this. It's just and worse conditions as well. But this quote from Strange Outdoors, I'll read to you and it might make sense. Quote, the forensic pathologist later found that the skin was still in an early stage of decomposition, even containing maggots. In contrast with Chris's fully bleached and clean bones, the pathologist also found out that the bone marrow in the femur and tibia bone from Lysan proved to be dry and undecomposed. The bone marrow was intact and unaltered. The forensic pathologist thought that the piece of skin may have been manipulated by someone, unquote. So I don't know. But I mean, this, sorry, that it might seem a bit um, naive um, and it might be a stupid question, but with Panama, are there unknown tribes? Like, yeah. you know how in Papua New Guinea, which is close to Australia, there are unknown tribes and some of those tribes are still known to be cannibalized um, cannibals. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are. And kind of further down in this episode, I'll talk about this case I found because I, I looked up some crime cases in Bokate and they live really deep into the jungle. I think they're aware of them though. Um, that's the only difference with Papua New Guinea. Do you know that, um, what's it called, North Sentinel Islands, where mm -hmm. no one has ever been before and you can't get close enough um, without them kind of hitting you with a bow and arrow and that Christian missionary tried to go there and help them find um, God <laughs> um, about two years ago. His name was John Chow. I want to do an episode on him. And yeah. they didn't even get, like, out. He didn't even get out of the boat. You're not even meant to get a boat there. He paid off people to take him before they killed him. <laughs> like, and then they dragged him to the island and I presume ate him. And they're actually protected by, like, the Sri Lankan government, I think. Um, yeah. People should just leave them alone. There's tribes in the Amazon that are losing their homes more and more um, and people go in and try to take photos of them. Like, they should just leave them alone. I don't know. But so the investigation into the case... So initially, Panama did consider it kind of a suspicious, possibly foul play case. They declared it a homicide and, quote, a crime against personal integrity, um, unquote, which is actually like a charge that you can be charged with in Panama. That was Panama's attorney general um, in October 2014. Um, now, pretty much it stayed like that for a while. Even when they found the body parts and things like that, they really thought that there was some sort of foul play. But when nothing really came of it and they couldn't find any other conclusion, the case was officially closed and they really just consider it an accident um, with Chris and Lysanne kind of thinking that they could go beyond this continental divide part at the top of the summit and just getting into trouble. Um, so now this is where we're going to get into theories and I've kind of compiled from Reddit and a bunch of other sources, different questions that people have put forward um, about the case that I thought were really interesting. Um, now, one of them was about the dog coming back and we kind of explained that in the first one that I just don't think they took the dog at all because you had to get a taxi to the start of the hike. Um, the other one was the missing photo, um, the next one, which we've talked about. Um, now, Investigators do actually still believe, despite thinking that this was an accident, that that photo, photo 501, that looks to be removed with the help of a computer, um, was removed by someone for nefarious reasons. Because that photo lies between the photos on April 1st, when they were first hiking um, before they went missing, and then those weird night photos from April 8th, where it's just photos of weird objects in the dark and things like that. So they think it could actually be a really important photo in the timeline of things. Um, no one's been able to bring it back, not even like the biggest like tech geeks. Um, there was no other deleted photos from their girl's entire holiday on their camera, which kind of indicates that they weren't in the habit of deleting photos. And the memory card had tons of space left, so it's not like they had to delete it to make space. The photo 501 that was missing 
they believe that that was timed around the time their first emergency call started, which I think is really interesting. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I still think that it's just the police accidentally deleted it. I, I think they're like, I come across this shit with different cases I've done time and time again. I think they're just, fuck up and then try they just won't answer questions about it what do you think i mean it sounds like the most plausible explanation um and it's easy to delete like especially if you're not used to using a device how like i delete photos all the time that i don't mean to and it's just like you know the on slip a, of a, on a camera I, I haven't had a digital digital camera forever but um can you go into a deleted, is there a folder where your deleted photos go like on your iPhone before they, I don't think so. During that time period, I don't think technology, I don't think it was that sort of technology in 2015. Um, So I doubt it. It was, yeah, just deleted. Although some cameras do have a function where they they do have a deleted folder. Like, you know, an iPhone, when you delete and it says you can recover it within a certain amount of days. I'm pretty sure they do. They used to. So, because mm. um, I guess it- um, what was I going to say? It it definitely was removed on a computer, like it was plugged into a computer, so it clearly wasn't the girls. Um, mm. True Crime Garage kind of goes into it and speculate whether someone who was out there in the wilderness came across it, all their stuff in the backpack, and then took it home and went through their stuff and then planted it in the middle of nowhere in these reeds. I, I just think it's really far-fetched, but I don't know. I was just about to say something similar and that it, possibly someone did find it and maybe took it home and found something incriminating or something of interest and were going to use it later down the track, maybe for, you know, to exploit for money or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, that's, a, good, been, yeah, that's a really good yeah. thought. The next question is, what were the girls trying to do? Um, so the photos, people who have looked at the photos who know the area have kind of pinpointed the area that they were going along. And one of them um, was a bridge and then there's kind of photos um, of different tributaries of a river. They, A lot of people think that the girls were trying to follow the river downstream because that's what survival experts tell you to do. Do you know about that? Like, is that what you're supposed to do? I mean, I have watched a bit of Bear Grylls. Um, Did you see the one where he got his eyelids stung by a bee? It's my favourite. <laughs> and I, uh, is it Coyote Peterson? I watched a bit of that as well, some survival stuff. Um, I think, yeah, you're supposed to follow wherever the current's going. Yeah. Well, the photos seem to indicate that they were, which is crazy i think they were doing like a blair witch project and walking around in circles without even realizing yeah that probably and that's easy to happen like like i said when you get there like and you do bushwalks or like treks through um like dense shrubbery and that and like that sort of stuff in remote areas it's so like overwhelming when you do think about if i go off this trail there's mm. no chance I'm getting back. And it's it's how people time and time again get lost on mm. walks and it happens every day all over the world because yeah. everything looks the same. And, mm-hmm. you know, unless you're marking specific spots as you're going along, you're going yeah. to forget where you were. Yeah, totally. Um, the next question that someone put forward, I think, on Reddit was why did they not fingerprint the digital camera and the phones, which is a good question. Um but I don't know if they were kind of exposed to the elements at any stage, if there was anything on them. Um, they, but some people asked why they, they kind of couldn't fingerprint the last person to use it. But I don't generally, I just don't think that would necessarily work because the iPhone was the one they continued to use till the end. And you're not really using your full finger on an iPhone. You're using the tip of your finger. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think a lot of people, when they come up with these, like ideas of, oh, they should have fingerprinted it. or They don't realise how hard it is. It's like fingerprinting isn't an easy thing. Like it's a process and, you know, it's to get off certain surfaces, especially when they've been exposed to the elements after some time, it's not that simple. Um, Mm. So I think, 
I, I mean, I don't think that it would have been possible at all to get fingerprints. No, neither do I. I think people just throw it around. It's like they throw around polygraph tests and it's like, they're just like polygraph yeah. him and it's like, shut up. <laughs> um, so uh, the next kind of question um, is, I didn't really explain it in the first episode, but there's heaps of wooden kind of little cabins along this river in this area um, where people, are, they store things um, or kind of tribes use them um, or they're for people who are hiking, who want to stay over. They've got them in, you know, that Wonder Huzzy chick that I put you on to on YouTube? She stays yeah. like this in America. They're like little kind of community huts in a way um, that are open mm. to tourists and things like that. One of the questions was why didn't the girls hide in there if they were lost and wait for people? But I kind of think that's a dumb question because I wouldn't just, I know you said you'd stay in one spot, but I wouldn't stay in one spot inside. No, um, I agree. I mean, to get out of the elements for the night possibly. Yeah. But what I also was going to ask um, from where the bones were found, how far were they from actual water? Oh, I can't tell you that. The, because I just find it interesting if they were found in such dense, like, jungle forest yeah, and say that, you know, however many kilometres there was to a water. Oh, uh, sorry. Hang on, I've gone back. There's the 33 little bones that were found were discovered on the same riverbank um, as okay. the... So they were all on a riverbank, like, in a kind of um, little river. Yeah, that makes more sense. So I was going to say, yeah. how the hell did the bag get in the water from that far away? But Well, I've got a theory about that, that when I wrap up, like when we both say what we think happened, um, I'll say it. But now you've put me back. Hang on. Um, so another question that someone had was, quote, why did we hear nothing about the drugs and gang wars going on in Bocate around 2014 with at least 15 local gangs rivaling for power? Now, what I found is that I don't think there's gang wars as such. I think that's like overestimating it. But there are, when I kind of go through a few other cases at the end of this that have happened in Bocate, I think they've covered up a lot of stuff and they do have links to the Sinaloa cartel, which was um, El Chapo, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. um, so I'll get into that. So the nighttime photos, a lot of people question how is it possible that the Dutch forensic investigators who looked at the photo and said um, that they didn't release 90 of the photos that were taken, like there was 90 photos taken, they've only released a handful. They said that was when, sorry, that was when they were taking photos in the middle of the night using the flash for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. I think that the 90, they just like went, duh, 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 like they were trying to scare off something or see something or they heard searches and they were trying to like kind of get their attention with the flash or whatever because you would see that in the dark depending on where you were they've only released five photos they said that the rest were completely pitch black um, and people have questioned why would the rest be completely pitch black if the five that were also taken with a flash are clear <laughs> like and the family also says the families of both girls have said that there's nothing on the rest of the photos. That's why they're not like releasing them. But sometimes when I take things with a flash, like it doesn't show up. Yeah. Um, I have taken photos like that too. I just find it odd that, you know, if you're going to release a handful, just release them all. Yeah. That's what I reckon. It's like, it's like when police hold on to it, like information on a case that's like, it's like they held on to stuff about Mr. Cruel till like two years ago. It's like, come on guys. It's been like 30 years. What the fuck are you doing? Like just release it because yeah. someone might know something. And they're the ones that always say the smallest detail can help. So yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes no sense. Cause someone, you know, sometimes when you're so invested in a case or something like that, you're going to overlook things and things will get missed. And with a new set of eyes, especially if you're releasing it to the public, someone may see something that they recognize, or it could even be like a rock formation that someone knows. Yeah. So like, it's, it's silly that they don't release all of them. Now you might, you'll like this question. I think this question is kind of dumb that someone posed because <laughs> when I have a nap, I know what time it is. If I wake up at like any time. Um, mm. How is it possible that the girls turned on their phones around the same time every day to check for signal when they didn't have watches? 
Now you're from the bush. Well, you can tell what time it is. I mean, if you get your sundial out and <laughs> start figuring out where the shadow is, it's pretty easy. But I, it's your internal body clock. Like you wake, it's like when you don't forget to set your alarm for work and you wake up at the same time anyway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or I can wake up and know it's 5 p.m. and not 5 a.m. Like, yeah, I I just find that really strange because I can generally know what time it is anytime. And I don't often look at, like, the time. Um, So another question is why were there not more photos if they were kind of taking photos up until April 8th um why were there only these 90 taken that night like why didn't they film videos we kind of talked about this why didn't they um film videos on their phones and use the battery that they had I think that they didn't want to use battery because it's a video takes a lot of battery yeah I also think like I don't know how to how to say this um but I think when you're young especially that young Mm. and you're in that sort of situation, I don't think that you're really anticipating, you know, your own mortality. I think you're probably trying to be optimistic and I'm going to get out of this. Yeah. And I I could understand from the point of view, like I don't want to film a final message because that's kind of signifies me giving up or that it's the end. Um, And it's like just an omen. Yeah. You're so clever, Lorena. That's so true. Like they never think that they're, Kids at that age, and I say kids because I think 21 is young as, um, they always think they're immortal. That's why you see them doing the kinds of things that they do or that I did or whatever. Um, The next question is why did they not, instead of, I think this question is also equally dumb, why didn't they call their parents or their host family and not emergency numbers, which I think is a really dumb, why would you call your parents in the Netherlands like when you'd have to refer it back when you could just make the call, that's so stupid. And why would they call their host family when they probably barely spoke English? I agree. I think you're, you're going to call emergency because your parents can't help you in that situation. And I also think and people are probably going to get at me about this, but I think being girls, mm. um, you're probably more likely to not want to worry your parents. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's something. Yeah. Yep. Um, this is kind of like a obvious one that we've kind of gone over a million times, but if they were indeed lost for this entire time, um, why did no local native tribes or anyone find them if at some point they were only a couple of kilometres away from the trail? But I guess we've kind of answered that. Um, the prosecutor at some point declared when they closed it, he said that they were most likely dragged to death in the river, um, which I I think for one of them was the case, myself personally. But one of the questions is if, if they were dragged to death in the river, why did their bones not have any cuts or abrasions? Um, I mean, it's a good question. It kind of made me think about the tsunami. Like, you know, people were killed in the tsunami, not from the water, but like hitting things. Like when a when there's like a tidal wave or something like that, you just like, like going at that speed into rocks and things, but I can't tell you if there was sticks or sometimes trees grow underwater, like up out of the water and stuff. I, I don't know. I've never, I, but also I've never broken a bone and a million times I thought I should have. And I like never have. I don't think it's that easy, but I think you, you need a lot of force. Cause I've had a few accidents where I thought, Oh, like I was sure that I'd broken my arm. Like when I fell down the stairs at our um, block yeah. and yeah, it was raining and I definitely thought I broke my wrist, but so I'd landed right on it. So I don't think it's as easy as it probably seems to break a bone. Yeah, I um, agree. And also I'm going to say they're Dutch and the Dutch actually, like as we said in the first episode, they've got the statistically they're the tallest and the strongest like rates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know if that's anything to do with it, but I think – Lisanne, who lived the longest, who's the six foot tall one, based on photos I see of her, and I don't give a fuck if I'm offending anyone, I think she probably had the makings of surviving like quite a while. She looks like pretty strong and like tall and stuff. Um, So that's really like most of the questions. Can you think of any more before I get into um, kind of 
a few things that have happened in Bocate? No, I think that that kind of, they're pretty good questions, I guess, to ask. Some of them are a bit contradictory. Mm. Um, and I guess, yeah, I don't know. With the bodies, I think, I don't know what sort of animals live in that particular part of, of the world, but there could be, you know, like birds, scavenger type animals that, mm. you know, aren't going to damage bone. Like mm. some don't. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I, I guess the river thing is, is plausible as well. So the Daily Beast did like a long, a big series into this called the Lost Girls of Panama. And their journalist went and interviewed this medical examiner in um, Bocate. And this person wanted to be interviewed anonymously because he had received death threats from people in the government um, when he had discussed any kind of anything about any of the investigations they'd done. So I just want to read you um, this. So, quote, the high-ranking examiner agrees to be interviewed only under the condition of anonymity, saying he has received death threats after discussing sensitive investigations in the past. That bocus area is swarming with cesarios, the IMELCF source says, referring to the cartel smuggling routes that link Panama's porous eastern coastline with Colombia and Venezuela to the south and Mexico to the north. There ought to be a national red alert for foreigners and especially women, he says, but of course that would be bad for tourism. The forensic anthropologist says the search for paradise can also work as a touristic bait and switch designed to keep foreign dollars rolling in at all costs, no matter the risks. Panama is a commercial port for the Sinaloa cartel and others, he says, and goes on to mention both forced prostitution and organ trafficking as other threats posed by organised crime operating on the isthmus. Part of the problem is that publicising such dangers could weaken the crucial influx of tourist money, which makes up almost 20% of Panama's GDP, unquote. So that's pretty much what he just said is pretty much the central theme of my whole podcast. And like it's time and time again, tourism and money always is the reason, especially in the Caribbean, especially in South and Central America. I mean, Panama is no Mexico. It has, it does not even like, it's not even a like scratch on Mexico's crime rate. Like Mexico has like 3000 people murdered every day. Mm. Like it's out of control, but it is, it is a crucial part. If you look at a map, of the Colombian drug route up to the US. Um, and yeah, I don't know a lot about the Sinaloa cartel. I was just watching something the other day and they were talking about El Chapo. Um, but where he's Mexican, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So I'm just going to go into a few cases that have happened in Bocate. Like if you look up Bocate crime, there's not a huge amount. Um, I don't, I think they're covering up a lot of the shit that happens, but I don't think it's, it's any worse than anywhere else in South or Central America. Um, I don't really buy into like people saying that there's a huge amount of cover-ups or anything like that. But so American tourist, Catherine Johannet was strangled to death um, in this, in the Bocas del Toro islands chain, which, so Bocate is between Panama City and this Bocas del Toro and the girls had actually gone to the Bocas del Toro island chain before going to Bocate, um, Chris and Lisanne. Catherine Johannet was strangled to death there in 2017 while she was on a trip and they did arrest the guy um, and there's quite a lot of information out there about that. Um, he was a teenager and I think the common thread of most of these crimes is that they're it's crimes of opportunity, whether out of desperation, um, like people kind of have to put themselves, I don't, I'm not making excuses for these people, but these people are like a lot of these places I cover are like, it's complete desperation. Look how women live in Mexico. Like look at the, the threat to them every single day. Look at Jamaica, look at all the, I've done like two cases now there, but I've got, it's the country that I have the most um, cases from like just corruption, police corruption, violent crime. Um, you're scared of Jamaica, aren't you? I've watched a few things about on Jamaica. Doesn't really appeal to me to ever want to visit. I mean, it looks like a nice place, but yeah, I think it's it, under, it looks yeah. scary. The underbelly is pretty, yeah. Um, in 2013, an expat woman called Georgia Tripp was murdered outside her home while she was gardening. Um, her, someone just walked up to her and slashed her throat. 
That was in Bocate. Um, in 2015, a Canadian expat, um, her husband and her elderly mother were all living in Bocate um, as expats because there's quite a lot there. And they were the victims of a home invasion um, where guys just came in and started screaming at them about like guns and money and stuff like that. They had no idea. They'd, they were just like regular people. Um, and her husband was killed in the process and the two women got away. In 2018, a 50-year-old Boquete woman named Nuris Castrellon was walking to work when she was murdered by a local man just while she was walking to work in broad daylight. Um, and actually in 2018, in this part of Panama and in Boquete, women started protesting in the streets um, and even the mayor was on their side because there was a rise in femicide, like violence against women um, in Panama. Now, I was going to talk about this earlier, um, about the tribes when you asked about them. So this happened in January this year and I found this Telegraph article um, that I want to read to you. It sounds like something out of, like, something that would have happened 500 years ago. So there was this sect, religious sect, who were calling themselves the New, the new Light of God, that were living, they were like expats that had gone down to Panama trying to make, trying to show people God. And they started this group called um, The New Light of God. Um, Joaquin Phoenix's mother was actually running it. Mm. Really? No. <laughs> yes, I'll drag it your facial expression. I was like, I was like, no. I'll, I'll just, just dude, I will, I will drag her whenever I fucking want because she's a monster. Um, quote, so I'm going to read you this article. Quote, seven people were killed in a bizarre religious ritual in the jungle community in Panama in which Indigenous residents were rounded up by about 10 lay preachers and tortured, beaten, burned and hacked with machetes to make them repent their sins. Police freed 14 members of the Nagabi Bugle. There we go, Bugle. <laughs> We are talking about that earlier. Indigenous group who had been tied up and beaten with wooden cudgels and Bibles. The dead found in a mass grave include a pregnant woman and five of her children. Investigators found machetes, knives and ritually sacrificed goats. Ten people, including a minor, have been arrested on suspicion of murder. So basically this was a, this um, tribe, they're all over Panama, but there's quite a lot of them in this area where we're talking about for this entire case. So this cult of people went into the jungle and like started like beating them and torturing them and stuff. And they killed seven of them. Um, so yeah, I like, I've never heard that where people have like, well, I guess our entire history is based on people just going in and beating like native people so I can't really like say that I haven't heard it but um I just found that really interesting because the media wants you to think that like the tribes would come into town at night or something but this kind of proves that people people want like there's certain people who are so psycho it kind of that case reminds me of like a Jonestown type thing yeah all cult like cults fascinate me like I've always like i I don't know. I've always just found an interest in researching cults. Um, it's quite scary, but yeah. I don't know. I don't think that, I don't think they ran into any trouble with, with a cult. I don't think they ran into trouble with a cult or a tribe. No. Because um, the way that people report on this case, have you ever seen that movie? I made Mark watch it once. I lent it to him and he was like, why'd you lend that to me? It's called the green inferno. <laughs> Uh, I've seen that. That's a hectic movie. It's fucking crazy. And I think that people want this case to be the Green Inferno directed or by Or like Eli Cannibal Roth. Holocaust. Yes. Or they want it to be the Hills Have Eyes kind of shit. People love like deliverance and stuff. I don't know why people... I don't. Why do you think that people get really wrapped up in cases like this? Um, do you think it's because people I find think... it difficult to believe that something just tragic can happen? Like they want a bigger... Well, is there's a a theory, a psychological theory that what is it? The simplest explanation is normally oh, the, the right one. Yeah, um, it's the one that well, it's the theory that poses the least amount of questions. Yeah, yeah, and I think that 
it's the same reason I guess that people like myself love horror movies. It's that sometimes I think you, you become so far removed from the fact that they're actually these, these girls were people who had families and it just becomes a story and everyone likes to, you know, add to the story yeah, totally. and make it, you know, some fanciful thing that's like on the edge of your seat and it's, it's not that. Um, and you kind of have to take a step back sometimes and think, well, they were two girls that were at the beginning of their life and they have family that miss them and it's not, you know, it's not stop getting into the conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah. Like I always try to cover them like respectfully and With that's the, cut. the same. And um, I got a message last night on Instagram from the brother-in-law of two of the girls. Well, I, I covered a similar case, not very similar at all, actually. Um, episode 10, I covered the case of two girls. Um, one was from Denmark and one was from Norway. And they were murdered hiking in Morocco on a trip. Do you remember that? It was 2018. Um, And I covered their case. And um, Maren, who was the Norwegian girl, her brother-in-law and her sister listened to the episode. And he sent me a message that I put on my Instagram um, that said, basically, like, I can't say that the... um, Hang on, I'll I'll find it. Um, Me and my sister just finished listening to the episode you made. It's wrong to say we enjoyed it because of the subject matter, but we thought it was very respectful from a family standpoint. You show true compassion, much love and respect from Norway. And like getting messages like that, you like, I think people who are into true crime forget that people actually have families, like, mm-hmm. you know, who miss them. It's, it fucking sucks. But do you want me to, so now we're going to wrap up and do you want me to tell you first what I think happened? Well, I was just going to add that with the cartels, I think yeah. that that's the most unlikely mm. scenario in my opinion, just because like you said, when you read that statement, there's sex trafficking and, and other things that like, if two young girls were to stumble across them, I, I highly doubt they're going to kill them for no reason. Like they would probably want to utilize them in some way. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And they wouldn't just leave their bodies to be discovered at some point. Like yeah. they also, the most obvious thing is they wouldn't be out in the fucking middle of the jungle. If these girls are lost out there, do you think locals who come to Boquete who don't know this jungle are just out there as well, walking around in circles? No. And I think it also comes back to the psychology. Like I think a lot of people just assume like, cartels ruthless but i really think that they're a bit more um planned like they're more methodical than that like they're not just going to go shooting randoms like it's either they're out for revenge or they're getting back at someone like there's always a purpose to it and they have links so i don't think i just find that unlikely yeah i've done one episode on mexico and i probably went into more about mexico than any other case like i've done in any other country and I can't believe I've only done one episode because I've I've got probably like 50 cases from Mexico on my list. But I talked about the cartels and um, they're kind of spreading out to the touristy areas now for a number of reasons. Um, mm. I can't remember what I was getting to, but they are organised and they're generally, in Mexico in particular, like they are central to the sex trafficking trade. Like... You're not just going to, yeah, like you said, kill two girls that could probably, like, fetch a high price. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I think that even though there, I think there is a lot that they cover up in Panama like any other country um, to keep the money kind of rolling in through tourism and to keep their label as one of the safest places in this area. Um, but... I do still believe, despite looking into this for myself, that the girls did have an accident. Um, I think that Chris died first due to the fact that um, one of them was injured and they were calling for help and they believe it was Chris. That that was within hours of leaving for this hike. Um, and I think she died first and the state of her bones indicates that she died somewhere kind of out in the open. Um, and she was dead for longer and her foot being packed into the shoe, like, as we said, preserved it. And I, I don't know how long Lisanne lasted, but 
I have this horrible feeling that she lasted like, like weeks. Um, I think that Lisanne kept their belongings like in the backpack on her and left Chris, um, whether Chris died or was so injured she couldn't move anymore. Um, and she, obviously she was trying to get into Chris's pin on her iPhone, but she didn't know it. And I think that was because she was too fatigued um, or dehydrated at that point. Um, and then I think she took the backpack with her. And at some point, either she slipped into the river with the backpack and she was dragged to death, as the investigators say, or she accidentally dropped the backpack into the river. And that's how it ended up. Um, and that's why her activity trying to check for signal stopped on the 11th of April. Like she lost the backpack. And I think the backpack being good quality, as I said in the first episode, I think that it kept things inside dry because when I first backpacked around Europe, it was winter. And when it snows, it all just ends up like wet marsh. And I've seen her backpack. She's got a proper hiking, like backpacking backpack. I think that those really expensive ones absorb the water on mm. the outside. Like they're, they cost the amount they do for a reason. Um, and I think Lisanne, like you said, took those photos at night. Um, I think she took them because of the number of them. She took 90 in like a very short amount of time, like a couple of minutes. She wasn't taking 90 to tell a story. She was doing it like to either, I think she either heard rescuers in the air um, and she thought that they'd see the flash of the camera because otherwise it doesn't make any sense to be taking photos to quote unquote tell a story in the pitch black. Why would you not wait until the following day? Yeah, that, that makes no sense. What I just wanted to confirm was that how far apart were their bones? Oh God, you're testing me because I've got so many facts here. Um, they were found reasonably close together. Um, hang on one second. Let me go back up. So they found them all around the same time. Um, so they found on June 19th, 2015, part of a pelvic bone belonging to Chris and the boot with Lisanne's foot inside. So I presume they were quite close together. Um, the 33 scattered bones were known to be like a mixture of the two and they were found a few kilometres from where they believe those nighttime photos may have been taken. So they kind of ended up, like together, which I can't really answer because I would presume one would go on without the other. Well, I mean, I, I don't know how to say this without seeming harsh, but I, I would. Like, what else yeah, are you going to do if, thanks, if someone's passed away? <laughs> um, yeah, of course, exactly. You would. You can't. You just can't. But I guess everyone's different and you can't really speak unless you're in that situation because you shock can take over and fear and you know it's uh, being alone with someone else like lost together isn't as bad as just solo oh man so it'd be i think that's what something that people lose about this case a lot like a lot of a bit of humanity about not just them being together, but when one died, we, we have to presume one lived longer than the other. It's impossible that, that yeah. they died together. Whoever lived longer, and I presume it's Lisanne, she was alone. I mean, I think Chris died around the 5th of April. Like, and that photo is accidental of the back of Chris's head. But as you said, Lisanne, Chris had to be lying down for that photo to be taken on that angle. But then again, Lisanne is way taller than her, like five or six inches taller than her. So she could have just kind of towered over her. But I think Chris died around April 5th or 6th. And Lisanne was still checking for signal on April 11th. But that doesn't mean to me that that's when she died. I think that she lost the backpack. And yeah. She, I mean, if, if the yeah. theory with the bras, like we yeah. had yesterday, how they were filtering water through the um, cups, yeah. the, unless they were, she was doing that and she, I don't know, when she'd finished, she'd put the bag down and to have a drink of water and it just got swept away in a current or... Um, That's, I think that she did. Um, I think it explains where it was found. I don't think anyone came across it like... I think she accidentally lost it. And I think most people assume that she just died on the 11th because that's when 
there was last activity on the phone. But I don't, that to me doesn't mean she died. It means she didn't have the phone anymore. Um, the battery didn't die. She turned it off to retain its battery and then never turned it back on on the 11th. But mm-hmm. how long can you go? You can go without water for three days, right? I think if you push it, I think you can go a week. You'd have to be, you'd be, you wouldn't be in a good state. Oh, no. Like, I think by day three, like, you'd be severely unwell. And you can go without food for, what, a month? Any food at all? About 30, yeah, 30 days. So, reasonably, if she was drinking from... I'm just going off the fact that a lot of her body was still kind of intact. Like I, I just have a horrible feeling that she, she, she was still alive and heard the searches like end. Cause they searched pretty much like for until probably the 15th of April, they searched for like 10 days. And then after that, it was just ra- like random searches every once in a while. Like I have a feeling she was still alive beyond her hearing the search ending but because I don't know this area I can't tell you how the hell she didn't cross paths with someone or you know I don't know unless they were both injured at that point unless she was too weak like to stand up or I don't know I think I sort of agree with what you said I definitely think that one of them was injured I think they went too far off the beaten track and someone's either slipped broken a bone or you know sprained an ankle yeah hit the head something's happened the other one's called for help started panicking um they've realized at this point probably when they're trying to get back to the track that they've lost their way and i think it really just comes down to being ill-prepared unequipped and young and naive like i don't think they really had a plan and I guess it, it, it's just, yeah, being young. I don't think, I think if you were in that situation and you were a lot older, you'd probably be able to sort of calm yourself and rationally think like, what's my best chance of survival. But when you're younger, I think it's a lot harder to compartmentalize everything and sort of, you know, just keep going forward and, and, and think of the best way out. That's why they didn't separate. Whereas, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I just had another thought. Like people have always assumed that Lisanne was attempting on her phone at the start while Chris was attempting on hers, but we don't really have evidence that it was both of them attempting. What if Chris was killed when the emergency call started? Lisanne knew her pin code and it was Lisanne trying on both phones. Like, because at no point when they're looking, when they're both attempting to get signal or anything, do any of those calls align? Do you know what I mean? By time. Mm-hmm. So that kind of like, to me, that seems like it's one person trying both phones. Like I think most people report it and say it's Chris trying hers um, on the iPhone four and Lisanne trying her Samsung. And I've got the kind of grid here of their different calls. But at no point is the call made at the same time, which kind of indicates that you hang up and then try the other phone. Like, Mm -hmm. so the first one is at 4.39 PM on the day they go missing 1st of April. And that's on the iPhone. And then the Samsung tries to call at 4.51, 12 minutes later. Um, And at no point do any of them cross over the 3rd of April, the iPhone tries to call 911 at 9.33 a.m. and then they check for signal at 4 p.m. But then the Samsung is 1.50 p.m. and 4.19 p.m. Unless they were just, you know, you try your phone first just in case because we're trying to conserve as much battery as possible. But what I don't understand with that is from when I was researching it, they apparently at least one or two of the calls connected and then dropped out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well the and first, I, don't know. I think the first day, oh no, the second day one connected, I think it was the Samsung. I don't know what the, I don't know how, you know, the U S and nine one one work. And you did say that they use nine one one in Panama, yeah. but I know in Australia, if you call, and the call connects and drops out, they immediately try to reconnect the call. Like they will call you until you answer. Yeah. Um, I I just don't know if, what if they did try to and no one, oh, well, no one, yeah, no one, 
that's true because they would have made the connection you know, and yeah, they would have been able to ping if it if it connected for even a second they should have a generalized area of which tara pinged from like do you remember the the jill mar case in australia like that's yeah, how they caught course. him because the phone yeah. came on for a second they pinged yeah, and him and they also and, got him through the um through his like city link pass and all that like um it's well, just, it, says, I, it says short time connection to to gsm um so maybe it didn't actually connect because it says attempt for with short time connection to gsm so maybe it didn't connect to the actual call it just connected to service yeah I, that's probably likely but um yesterday when you explained um uh, it was dropping out i missed um what actually happened with the police and the phones like did what what happened like what became of the phones was there any other evidence on there or, or there was nothing Nah, it went the dutch like they did hand over everything there doesn't seem to be like dead like dodgy corruption there because the dutch forensic investigators looked at the cameras and the phones and they came to the same conclusions um but no one was able to bring back that deleted photo i personally don't think the deleted photo is anything um I think that that it was accidentally like I always err on the side of them fucking up before I think that they're dodgy. Um, but yeah, that's it. So yeah. Any final, final words before I wrap up the episode? Um, oh, I was going to say about the case. Sorry. Any final words about the case? Uh, no, I think, I think I've covered a lot of it, which, um, yeah, I think my theory is the same as yours. Yeah. This is like three hours of talk, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) like I hope people enjoy it. Um, so before I wrap up, um, do you want to shout out your business, Lorena? Uh, yes. So I've started a a new apparel line. So if anyone wants to go over and uh, check it out, it's Nord apparel and it's spelt N Y O R D E and then apparel. And it's, is that, um, yeah. Is that, is that the Instagram thing? I did oh, tell you yesterday. Um, oh yeah, my sorry. God. That's the website. I should have said www.nyordapparel.com. I don't think you have to say, um, I don't think you have to say www <laughs> anymore. <laughs> People get the gist. <laughs> I'm old school, man. <laughs> I'm just waiting on my shirt. It didn't come today, but I have not received. Things are still in progress that were meant to come six weeks ago. Like we don't get Melbourne mail anymore. The postie hasn't even come yeah, like, for like a week. Like I always hear his breaks cause they're really fucked and I hear him pull up. He hasn't, <laughs> come, he hasn't come for anyone like in like a week. Like they've just cut us all off. <laughs> it's so bad. I told you about my bank card, like the yeah. original one has still not arrived and it's been three months. <laughs> Dude, I never received my birthday card from my mum. <laughs> Like, I haven't received fucking anything. Um, they're just tossing it out, I reckon. They can't be bothered. They're just like, fuck this. And yeah, that's what just... I always, I always <laughs> picture when I think of Australia Post, I picture Jim Carrey <laughs> in Ace Ventura <laughs> kicking yeah. the box up the hallway. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Dude, they just take, apparently they've got such a backlog, they're just taking on regular people. Like, that's... that's I know, not- but the... When you work for the postal service, you're a government employee. Like you have to have specific checks. No, I know they don't care like, anymore. It's just like, oh, you convicted of mail fraud in 2003. No worries. Come aboard and volunteer. I always think of um, Newman in Seinfeld going postal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So follow Unknown Passage on Instagram um, at, I always forget it, Unknown Passage Pod. Visit the website at unknownpassagepodcast.com and I've also put up the episode page for Chris and Lucanne. I did that yesterday. Leave a nice rating. If you've got feedback about the way I say things, please DM them to me um, so I can work on them. Don't put them on a platform that will last forever. Um, I realise that's kind of buying. (laughs) That's kind of like bribery. But be nice because I'm in solitary confinement. Um, so leave a rating and review. Um, whoever goes on every day and leaves a one-star review, go fuck yourself. Um, become a patron. <laughs> <laughs> is that still the, the person in question? <laughs> I don't know. I, I assume I know who it is. Um, uh. um, 
become a patron after I tell you to go fuck yourself. That's how Bill Burr signs off his podcast. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> become a patron. I had three this week, Robbie, Lainey and Laura. Um, so there's a $2 tier and a $5 tier. Um, the $5,000 a month tier, I have to send my PayPal for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, yeah, so that's it. So, Lorena, I'll have you on again soon and you can tell, do you want to tell me one next time? Oh, that'd be good. I think that'd be really good. Um, I've got... (laughs) So, if you want to do that, um, we can slot you in between one of the... So, pretty much for the foreseeable future, what I'm doing is Patreon requests because when you become a patron, you get to choose a location for an upcoming episode. So, currently, I've got seven that I have to do um, six now that Treens is done for this one. Um, And the issue, I don't like to do the same continent twice in a row. And Kay and Kevin, they both of their requests were also on the continent of South America. So I'm going to mix it up with one for another patron um, that became a patron after the after these people um, because I don't want to do the same continent twice. And the one I'm doing for Kevin is very similar um, <laughs> to this story I've done. Um, so I'll probably put maybe Lainey's next. I'm not sure. So anyway, thanks so much, Lorena. Um, I'll stop recording. Yes, and then we can talk. All right. Bye. Bye.